Welcome to Ahead of the Curve, a fresh new season of the established Pros Travel Podcast, The View from 30,000 Feet. This season will be hosted by Serain Adianthaya, president of Pros Travel and one of Pros' longtime guiding lights. This season will offer insight and commentary on the most contemporary trends in airline travel solutions, and each episode will include a candid, forward-looking conversation with a different, influential leader in the airline travel industry. Are you ready? Let's see what's ahead of the curve. Welcome back to another episode of Ahead of the Curve. I'm Serene Adyanthaya, President of Travel for Pros, and joining me today will be Seth Cassell and Anton Diego, the co-founders and co-presidents of Everymundo. Welcome, guys. Thanks Thanks for having having us. us. Hey, no, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, There's a lot of interesting things going on in the airline industry, and you're in the middle of it. So this is very exciting for me. So um, just to start it off, uh, Seth and Anton, can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to be a startup founder, to grow your business, and to, to lead a vision for a business as a startup? Um, sure, I can go first. This is Seth. Um, it is, um, it, it's both uh, at times the most rewarding and fulfilling experience and at other times incredibly thankless and difficult uh, because it, you know, it, it becomes um, part of your identity in many ways. Um, you know, you're building something from scratch, uh, you know, for, with every mundo, Anton and I got together in 2010 time it was a one-man digital marketing shop that Anton was running um, he had a bigger vision for how it could be a proper technology company and um, I was coming from uh, a series of participations in startups and was looking for something bigger to do um, and really just loved his approach to uh, building a business one day at a time one foot in front of the other but of course that that's hard, right? Um, and it's it requires stamina. Um, it requires a long view of what you want to accomplish, but also a constant uh, sense of self motivation. And then as soon as it starts to cook and there's others involved, you're constantly motivating others and constantly really driving and aligning others towards a singular vision of what you want to build. But then also trying to just enjoy the journey of it, right? Because because again, because it is such a long path, it is a marathon. Um, if you're entirely fixated on the end of it, that can be very, very difficult. And so, you know, we've we've always tried to run the business and the, the company and, and build a culture around pursuing big ambitions, but also enjoying the little moments and the, you know, that 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 act of just again putting one foot in front of the other in, in pursuit of a journey. You know, I've I've read actually that. Startups with two founders are much more successful than single founder startups. Can you give us your thoughts on that? Any insights? Anton, you want to take it? Yeah, I'll take that one. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I agree with that. I haven't seen the statistics on it, but um, you know, having two founders, obviously, you share share the burden. Uh, generally, you tend to complement each other as long as you communicate. Um, you know, extremely well and very thoroughly throughout the day, throughout the week, um, and really, you know, plan things together. I think, yeah, the, the probability of success is, is definitely much higher. And it's also a much more enjoyable process. 
to, to share it with someone else, right? Um, and, and to have conversations and to think through situations, scenarios, et cetera, and bounce ideas off each other. So I think, you know, this, it, again, I haven't seen the statistics, but I 100% believe that. I always, I always, um, uh, yeah, I always advise people to, to find someone else to, to share their journey with. I mean, I think for me, yeah, for me, there was, by virtue of having a team running the company um, or co-founding, it means that trust essentially has to be part of the foundation of the business because it starts with, with the trust between the co-founders and then that, at least for us, permeated the company. And then also to what Anton was saying, it's, it's nice to have someone there, you know, high-fiving yourself is an awkward thing to do when things go well. So it's, it's nice to have somebody to celebrate with. So. Or like someone else talking you off the ledge, right? So that's yeah. when, when things go poorly. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I've tried sure. high-fiving myself and that does not work. I it's called clapping. <laughs> it's just clapping. Yeah. I, do it, I do it all the time. I do it all the time. <laughs> so, so for those of the, our listeners who are not familiar with Everymundo, can you give a, a brief summary of what Everymundo does at, for the airline industry or even perhaps beyond the airline industry? Yeah, so, so effectively what we do is uh, we help travel companies, airlines, hotels, et cetera, uh, acquire customers uh, online uh, faster, right? Um, and grow their customer acquisition, generate more direct sales through their website. And we do that by automating um, what we call offer marketing, right? Or fair marketing for airlines. So presenting uh, offers to users at all, all the touch points in the user lifecycle. So uh, that might be generating maps to uh, to entice them to travel from a particular origin to different destinations to see where they can go, uh, to generating emails and sending them emails with relevant offers, uh, to uh, powering uh, paid search marketing campaigns, display campaigns. Um, it's everything around magnifying the um, customer acquisition channels of a travel company. So that's what our software does. That's what our software um, automates. Um, and optimizes as well, right? So we do so at an extremely cost-effective rate, uh, and it's been very successful. Um, and it's you know it's a, it's a beautiful it's beautiful to see it growing the way it is today. Yeah, that's amazing uh, to see a company that you've founded grow like that. It must be very gratifying. Yes, and and I see your offers everywhere. I, I mean, I know that when I I go to United or American, yeah. Or, any of these websites, when when we get targeted offers, you guys are really behind the scenes making it happen. That's really cool. That's right. So as you've developed your product over the years, where do you get that the ideas and inspiration from? Do you get it mostly from the users and do they tell you what they need? Or is it the other way around? Is it internally driven or somewhere in between? So it's it's a dance between the two. Um, we've, we've always felt compelled to try to drive the market, um, to have a vision for what's missing um, that could be there. But then also, of course, there's the reality of, of simply delivering on um, what is demanded in the market and understanding the, the challenges that the industry has. Um, I, I think this stems back to some good advice we got very early in our journey. Um, we were, um, you know, not yet a dedicated uh, software for travel company. Um, 
And a mentor of ours sat us down and, and really encouraged us to, to hyper-focus in that way. And what he said is that you need to go narrow to go deep and then go deep to go wide, right? We joke that it's like fracking. And, but, but in doing that, um, that to me is this, right? It's, it's by, by being in a complex, you know, an industry as complex and competitive as you know, airlines or travel in general, and then starting to get real deep into it to appreciate the nuances of the challenges and the obstacles that um, either the, the people in the industry are well aware of and are struggling to solve in an effective way or are not even aware of, that became our purpose, right? That became us helping the industry innovate sometimes in response to what they just struggle to do but want to do. Um, and that's when the user is telling us what they want and, and what we've learned is solving little obvious problems like that is still hugely valuable for these guys, right? Because you never know how complex the reasons are that they can't do it themselves or, or there's not other providers out there. So we've learned over the years to not assume anything's obvious, not assume anything's easy. And just when we hear that there's a challenge to, you know, to address it, it becomes exciting. But then the other side of that coin is, is we do feel an obligation to really drive innovation in the industry and in doing so, sometimes propose uh, you know uh, possibilities or invest time and effort into building things that may not immediately be in demand, but we trust in our intuition and the depth of knowledge we've developed in the industry to be a leader in where things are going. So we we really try to have a healthy balance between the two. The airline industry has been through a rough patch with COVID, as we all know. And in an interview you gave in June of 2020, you were talking about airlines restarting and the process of restarting. What are you seeing now? Are airlines still restarting? Are they further along? And where do you see it going? So I, I think they are further along. When we, when we sat down after the immediate existential crisis of the beginning of COVID, um, you know, around March 2020, April 2020, once we, you know, as a company even got our feet underneath us and started to have a healthy dialogue with our customers about how they were seeing things, it became apparent that, you know, some of the notions out there being pushed by consulting companies and, you know, these other guys who, who love to, you know, the minute something has happened, they're automatically an expert in it. Um, you know, you know who I'm talking about. I mean, they, they were talking about recovery and, you know, the new the new normal and the, you know, it was just so absurd. And we, we really liked this notion of the restart because that is what airlines were doing. Um, tactically speaking, right. They were, they had grounded all their planes and they were putting one plane back into operations and then two planes back into operation. And so it, it really was literally a restart. And so at this point though, um, and then that came with maybe a broader kind of strategic restart, right? Like, like the airlines dealing with this constant, you know, this 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 constant curveball that was coming at them due to COVID, where they would get going and then they'd have to stop, and then they'd make a few more strides or make some plans, and then those plans would get canceled. And it does feel, though, Serene, like we're we're getting past that. Maybe not everywhere in the world. Um, you know, Asia Pacific right now maybe is kind of still in restart, but I'd say um, in the Americas and uh, you know in in Europe, I think that we are in call it recovery um, or re-emergence, right? There's a little more consistency. There's, I think, a little more confidence in long-term plans. 
And that to me, that ability to plan beyond a few weeks, right? To be able to see further than like, you know, a few feet in front of your face, like that to me is means that we're we're past the restart and we're getting into actual, you know, recovery and and reemergence of the industry. Yeah, it's good to see. I, I completely agree with you, Seth. It's really great to see the airlines seeing demand again and emerging from the last couple of years. Anyone in the airline industry should be excited about where we are and where we're going. 100%. For sure. But along with this, with a restart and the reemergence of travel, um, there's a lot of data that uh, previously was important, but might not be important now. Every window is really at the top of the marketing funnel. So you see a lot of data that other parts of the airline or other companies can use. Can you talk a little bit, maybe Anton, about how the data collected by every window can be used? And perhaps, you know, we've discussed this before, used by pros to do more? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this is, this is a very exciting topic spend hours and hours talking about this, but um, to be succinct about it, I, I believe there's, there's really two major ways to, to leverage our data and uh, where I think we're already moving uh, into. But so I'll explain to you what data we collect and then how we can leverage that data. So what we collect is we, right now we have over 80 customers uh, worldwide, over 80 airlines, and we collect every single search um, that happens on an airline's booking engine uh, from all of our customers combined. Um, and not only do we collect every single search, but we also collect uh, the confirmations when the, when the user actually books a, books a flight. So because of that, um, we have access to real-time demand, right? So as, as I'm speaking, we are collecting every single search that is happening on most major airlines um, in the United States. And so as you can see, that data can be used for forecasting to understand willingness to pay by a customer, right? Um, and one of the areas that, that so, so there's the forecasting and willingness to pay, that, that's one piece. Um, and one, one of the areas that I think we should also uh, collaborate and explore on is really ancillary revenue, right? So what, what, what are people buying, right? What are, what are the behaviors that are getting people to buy ancillaries? And as we grow into uh, ancillary revenue management. Um, I think there's a ton of opportunity. Yeah, I, this data that you're talking about is so incredibly valuable. History perhaps isn't as meaningful uh, today uh, as it was before, because we all know the last two years there have been major disruptions uh, in travel. Yeah. And having this sort of real-time shopping data to end up revenue management and other areas of the airline. Yeah, yeah. And, and to give a revenue manager dashboards on, um, you know, how their routes are doing versus the market, right? Versus we, we know how a particular destination is doing across multiple airlines, right? And we also follow users that we, we can see that they went to a particular airline, saw a price, didn't book, went to another airline, saw a price booked, right? So having that visibility across the, throughout the market in real time, I think is game changing for the product. Yep, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. Very exciting stuff. Very exciting. Let's play. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, every Mundo has developed tools 
to help airlines you know, direct connection with the, the end consumer to really to compete with third party giants, let's say in the travel industry that have emerged. How do you see um, Everymundo facilitating this? And how do you see the combination of pros and Everymundo in this landscape? Absolutely. So over the years, we've come to realize, I guess fa fairly early on, and now I, I've grown certainly, and I think we as a company have grown to appreciate this more and more as we move forward, is the world of customer acquisition on, online, especially in travel. And, and a lot of, I think a lot of the key functionality required for travel e-commerce, you know, or travel commerce in general is an arms race, right? Um, more so than knowledge driven. Um, I mean, that's true for every Mundo's customer acquisition products. I'd say it's true certainly for pros, uh, revenue management and shopping technology, right? It's, it's, you may know what you need to do. You may have all the knowledge in the world, but you need incredibly powerful technology to power, to, to execute on that. And so the online travel agencies and meta search engines, right? OTAs and metas, their entire purpose for being is acquisition. That's all they're doing, right? They're putting themselves in between the customer and the brand and they are brokering that transaction and then taking value out of the value chain. And that's entirely predicated on technology. And what they've done is they've disrupted the industry over, over decades. Uh, what, what every mundo has made our mantra is to undisrupt the industry, right? To return that power to its rightful owner, the brands, by providing the technology necessary so that they can remain uh, you know, ahead of pace in the arms race that is acquisition technology or more general, just commerce technology in, in, in the airline and broader travel space. And so as, as I don't see Crows and Every Mundo as a third party giant per se. I think that I, I, I love our position in the market. I love that, that we're more like Robin Hood, right? Um, that we can that we can continue to deliver value, affordable value to these customers who have the unenviable task of flying large metal tubes 500 miles an hour safely through the skies and ideally on time, right? That that's enough. That that's a lot to focus on. And on top of that, they're dealing with you know the brand considerations and loyalty programs and all the service requirements. I mean, it, I, I always tell people, particularly in the airline space, it is the most complex industry in the world, hands down. And so for us to be able to help them kind of retain the, their, their rightful position to me is, is a mission that will never really end. And I, I think, it, again, it's one that continues to allow us to live out our, our, our biggest ambitions. And so I don't see us ever wanting to, to necessarily join the other side of things, right? I, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's plenty of opportunity and value for the long term, and continuing to help these companies innovate uh, and, and do so effectively, and then also just to expand our purview into adjacent or even non-adjacent industries to, to do the same thing, right? Where you have similar issues, where you where you have intermediaries who, um, because of their technological prowess, are able to command a disproportionate portion of the value chain, and so you know we're we're here to make make things right. I love that phrase, undisrupting the industry. That's that's just awesome. Um, yeah. And Robin Hood's a good place to be, in my opinion. <laughs> I think so. I think so. That's right. 
Any other predictions you can offer for the future of technology in the airline space? Yeah, um, well, you know, COVID obviously was a catalyst for change in the travel space. And, um, you know, with, with NDC, um, obviously NDC has been something that the industry has been working on, but I think COVID has really accelerated the adoption of NDC throughout, throughout airlines. And it's, and it's looking like, you know, the, the near future is the disruption of the PSS, right? So airlines want to be more self-sufficient. Um, they want to remove dependencies on the, on the PSS jets. And um, I think it's, an, it's a giant opportunity for us as pros to take advantage of that and start investing in offer order management, right, as a team. Um, this, is, this is truly our, almost like a, a reset in the industry that is happening. And it's, it's for us to go and get, right, to become the leaders in offer and order management. And then um, I think on the technology side, we have to leverage you know, machine learning AI to, uh, to improve our products, to leverage more data, to, to make better recommendations for the revenue manager, for the user, et cetera. And, uh, and, and the end of the game, right, is to really help us disrupt the industry by providing the best offer and order management out there. Yeah, I think um, you hit the nail on the head. The airline industry has really changed. It's no longer about selling a seat. It's yeah. about creating an offer, a package of things, of which the seat right. is an important component. But of course, you have flight-related and third-party ancillaries. Um, I Just in, in yeah. context of this, I was visiting a LCC last week, and the CEO said the seat is our ancillary and the rest is the main product that we're selling so that's that's a great view that's right <laughs> very that's interesting right. well before i let that's you so go true. i am going to ask you one more question i know you guys are very thoughtful uh, can you recommend to our listeners a couple of books that were um influential to you that are worth the time seth you want to give one and i'll give another one yeah well and I think that there's two that I have to admit Anton recommended both to me because I, on a personal level, I kind of have a disdain for at least business books because I just think they're mostly a victory lap with a lot of rationalizing of past choices uh, in light of how it turned out. And so I don't think they're usually something to live by, but um, I mean, the two books that Anton recommended that have become uh, honestly, not, not just kind of fundamental for me, but also for our company. I mean, we, 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 we did a book club on one of them. The first was um, High Output Management, which is Andy Grove, the, the former CEO of Intel. And I, I don't know, I, I would argue it's an actual man, manual for management, right? Again, it's not stories. It's not anecdotal. Uh, it's, it's truly a framework for how to develop management in a company, uh, you know, so much so again, that we did like a long, long kind of very slow paced book club in the company among all of our management as a way to do managerial development for the team. And then the other one that comes to mind is uh, the hard thing about hard things from Ben Horowitz, which is kind of like the anti-business book. Um, it, it really is truly what it lives up to, which is, you know, someone being honest about what they don't teach you in business school, what they don't highlight in other business books, the real difficult, like the worst of days 
in, in running a business, running a startup, um, you know, managing a lot of people and how to make those hard choices. Uh, and I, I find myself constantly coming back to some of the lessons in that book. The nice thing about both of them is, you know, they're, they're kind of quick chapters. Like you can reference them. You don't have to read them all at once. You can, you know, kind of come back to them in chunks at times. Um, yeah, those are the two that, that have done it for me. Yeah, I have to, I have to second that. And, you know, I find myself, and I know said the same thing, people in our company, we find ourselves going back to those books just to kind of reference, you know, situations and things like that. Yeah, so high output management is uh, the hard thing about hard things. Both are, I mean. So what was the, what was the coaching book, though? What was the coaching book that you read that, like. Oh, man, that was lines. a great one. Uh, I forget the name of it. Uh, so and I'll, I'll bring it to you. Sorry. Sorry to put you on the spot. But. No, no worries. It's, it's, <laughs> it is a great one. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate you, you Seth, Anton, making the time for this. And um, I look forward to talking to you and working with you a lot more in the future. Thanks so much for listening. And a special thank you to our guests. If you have any questions or want more information about anything you've heard, please contact PROS. This podcast was brought to you by Pros Travel, where we help airlines with offer optimization and digital transformation.